Hey everybody, really great show this morning. We actually talk about a project that we haven't talked about that much on the show before, Gutter Cat Gang, and what they're doing in the space. We also discuss the different platforms and the current state of affairs in the NFT market compared to where it could go. We talk about the decentralization of marketplaces and whether that'll be good or bad for the NFT collections that are moving in that direction. Overall, it's just a great show. Hope you enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NFT Morning Show. It's Friday. We do this show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Last show of the week, so you know it's going to be a good one. The show focuses on NFT market discussion, talking about what NFT collections are doing well on the secondary market, what's selling out, what's going to zero, and everything in between. We also like to dive deep into the stories of the NFT and crypto space and cover news events. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, Please request to speak, come to the stage, no self-promotion, but we definitely want to hear your thoughts about what's going on in the market and hear your analysis as if it was something that you'd see on CNBC or ESPN. You get the point. I'm P.O. here with my co-host Nifty Nick, Signal, King Kicks, Easy Eats Bodega, of course, Spencer Gordon-Sand and Depeche Node. What a squad that we have here to close out the week. It's going to be an absolute jam. Uh, all of our content is sponsored by FTX. You can sign up at thenifty.com slash FTX or with the code the Nifty on your FTX mobile app. If you spend over $200 on a cryptocurrency asset of your choice on FTX, you will get airdropped a $20 bonus with our code. So check it out. Nick, you already have your hand raised. What's going on buddy i was just wondering have you had sex to that first song <laughs> uh it, i just was thinking about that and and was wondering if that's what inspired it or um yeah i don't know now i'm like putting that on my list you know i'm setting up a nick's future sex list which like let's be honest it's it, not gonna get any use but um <laughs> pretty excited about putting together that in the hopes that one day um some some sort of uh sexual energy comes my way you know well i guess do you commonly have music on during sexual escapades <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i was thinking like uh i think P i was imagining you to like start the show and be like well and that was the song that i lost my virginity to anyways this is shows about the nft market and uh, uh that's what i was expecting to go down there um i prefer not to um discuss my uh, you know, whether or not I listen to music, what, what goes on during that. That's just very private and intimate. But yeah, I'm usually blaring out some heavy metal uh, <laughs> music um, is usually what's going on there. Really sets the mood and the tone. Look, some people are into it. Some people can't get their groove on if they don't put on like some D'Angelo. You know what I mean? Like so, some uh, some real soulful <laughs> tunes. That's just the way some people get down. Like for me, I'm not necessarily running to the radio, you know, before the action's happening. But hey, to each their own, you know? Not okay. Well, now we're now we're getting a lot. We're getting very personal. Hey, let me go run over to the radio real quick. I'll be right back. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, we got an ad again. <laughs> oh uh, man. <laughs> hey, what about you, Node? Do you run over to the radio first, or what do you do? Oh, and here I was about to just comment on the fact that this was an awesome 80s, you know, song, and it goes straight to sex. That's all Nick's got to got to talk about. Uh, you know, we're going to we're going to try and keep things a little wholesome. Let's bring it back to NFTs this morning. we got to give a shout out to our guy, Brian Brinkman, 
amazing, amazing, legendary artist and collector. Had a great interview with him yesterday. You know, let's bring it back, gentlemen. Let's bring it back. Okay. Yeah. I mean, hey, shout out to Brian Brinkman. That was a fantastic interview. I wonder if Brian Brinkman listens to the radio while he's having sex. I think maybe the concern is, is that kids are around. <laughs> But, like, the kids need to understand this was the foundation of that, right? Like, this was the foundation. You ran over to the radio and then switched the channel. George Michael was on. You were, like, furiously searching for the George Michael channel. And then, uh, and then they were produced. Well, there yeah, you let's go. Let's call him in. Hey, hey, Deb, you want to say good morning? <laughs> you want to say good morning? Say good morning. <laughs> there oh, my we God. Go. Legitimately, there we, go. we actually okay, had a good morning. Okay, Debbie, you got you to run on out now. Because we got, I, I'm doing some important stuff in here. <laughs> well, it's Friday. You know, we're having a little bit of fun. Uh, you know, like to start off the show on a light note. We got King Kicks. Earmuffs. Keeps, earmuffs. We got King Kicks who always keeps it light. Uh, Kickster, do you have any fun stuff going on this weekend? Is this another, uh, you know, arcade wallet drainer or what? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it very well could be actually feeling like fall for the first time here. Uh, some nice fall weather, so definitely can get some park action in. That's what I like to hear, man. Family fun. Uh, always like to hear about it. Signal, what about across the pond? Any electric stuff going on over there? Now, this weekend is like I've just got back from holidays, so now I just want to just be at home for this weekend and just enjoy being in the city and doing stuff in the city. I even saw a tour bus. It was really weird. I walked past a tour bus the other day, and I was like, hey, that looks kind of fun. So I think I'm going to put myself, like, become a tourist in my own city, go on a tour bus, and just, like, take it all in. That's going to be my weekend plan. That's always fun. And yeah, I'd imagine you have to unwind after a month long European holiday bender as all of the European and UK folks do uh, just really globetrotting. So yeah, I'm not surprised that, you know, nine days into September still winding down from that. Uh, well, let's just uh, let's get right to it. Uh, <laughs> talking about the weather report today, if I recall correctly, is signals day for the weather. Is that correct? Yeah, morning, folks. So we got that Friday night, September. It was straight into fall open sea volume is at 15 million it's good to see that we're back in these mid-teens honestly this market it kind of needs to like i feel it needs to break out of the sort of puberty stage we're going from 12 to 18 back to 12 but back up to 15 i want us to get back in those 20s but for now open sea volume at 15 million on to the leaders there. Well, there's not much here. Um, on the standout, maybe apes, which are at 12.5, moonbirds, which are at 10, but the rest of the names are fairly stable. Over the past 24 hours, it's other deed leading the open sea ranks. Yesterday, what can only be described as a blue whale came in and swallowed up over a thousand ETH deeds that's just like a casual two million being spent and the floor on deeds is 1.7 spells down a low supply project of around 3333 supply this has a ton of hype it actually rocketed up to uh, 0.3 before pulling back hard there was some FUD around the loopable mint, but the team is extremely innovative as they have the first ERC 5050 interactive NFT, which actually incorporates playable games. So this is one to watch, and that floor is at 0.12. 
Cool Cats are back in the game. They have a, a new game called Cool Combinations. It's, it's a hex-based numbered tile game, and the players are competing for a chance to win one of three unminted Cool Cats, Matic tokens, and other prizes. CC have actually partnered with a subsidiary of Animoca called Game, and the game begins next week. Floor and Cats at 2 ETH. And lastly, 10KTF is back with more lore and spaces after Crazy Car hosted Beeble and Figgy yesterday. The TLDR of that space is that there's going to be uh, dynamic NFTs coming in the future and Mech versus Kaiju happening on the 16th of September, which is the one-year anniversary of their project. On to crypto, BTC up, ETH up, Sol up. Crypto is green, green, green. BTC and Sol are tearing up about 8% overnight, while ETH is ascending in a nice orderly fashion. Not as much, but still good. So overall, with the volume at 15 million, crypto up, the free mint meta on ETH, and lots of activity in Sol. It looks like the next 24 hours is going to be sunny skies, but that can all change with a strong gust of wind. So stay nimble on those markets as we go onto the weekend. Back to you, folks. Fantastic weather report. As usual, Signal, some other updates from the Nifty Daily Digest, which is the newsletter that's written by Signal five days a week. You can subscribe at thenifty.com. A Solana flips OpenSea. So the number of daily traders on the crypto, uh, the NFT platform Magic Eden has su- surpassed OpenSea. There were 312,000 new Solana NFTs minted, which is a 2x from the previous daily all-time high of 146,000. This is something that we were all speculating was the case, uh, but this is a confirmation on it. And uh, yeah, I really cannot say that I'm surprised at all. Uh, In my opinion, you're seeing way more interest grow on the Solana side. You have a younger audience um, and there's just more trading activity there. Everybody on Ethereum for the most part is fat and happy. So I'll be excited to hear from Easy about what's going on there. Other than that, uh, another Solana story. Look at this. Magic Eden continues to rapidly develop new functionality after announcing its new allow list feature. The tool allows creators to generate allow lists for free and collect wallet addresses based on customizable uh, criteria. So not only is the kind of ecosystem of Solana NFTs kicking Ethereum's ass, but the main platform that you can buy Solana NFTs is kicking the main platform where you buy Ethereum NFTs ass uh, even though the Ethereum one has way more money. Go figure. Look at that. Last story. The White House has announced that cryptocurrency mining like Bitcoin must be more climate friendly or it could face being banned, even though cryptocurrency mining like Bitcoin incentivizes a trend towards 100% renewable energy and actually provides a financial incentive to get there. What a joke. Uh, So, ladies and gentlemen, we got a couple of hands raised right here. We got Nifty Nick threw his hand up. What's going on? And then we'll hear from Easy. Well, you missed the biggest story of the uh, of the day, right? We got some breaking news here. Well, actually, it's not breaking. My apologies. I shouldn't even play that effect. It was from last night, supposedly. Deadfellas broke the news that they've partnered with Wrangler Jeans. Uh, and a lot of us were very excited. I posted about our announcement that we are partnering with Jinko Jeans. Uh, so <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that. Um, we're bringing it back. And so a lot of people didn't see that coming, but we're switching. 90s fashion is very hip right now. 
Um, especially with sort of the neon bright colors, but we haven't yet seen anyone bring back sort of the super wide leg Jinko jeans. So we're, we're excited to be pushing that forward and that's going to be one of our first merch drops. So, uh, you have that to look forward. No one's going to think you look foolish at all. Um, everyone's going to say, wow, there's, uh, the nifty team once again, you know, innovating and operating at the forefront of fashion. Uh, so Johnny Blaze wasted literally no time. Johnny Blaze is a, a valued community member and basically the, the chief uh, meme officer, the CMO of the Discord. He took took to the meme science lab uh, immediately and threw together a little Jinko uh, meme, which is absolutely hilarious, where he took your face, Nick, mine, Kix's, and Witter's uh, and threw them onto a Jinko ad, it seems. It's absolutely hilarious. Easy, you have your hand raised. What's going on, Amigo? Yeah, just wanted to say I made this call a year ago that Solana traders would be more active than ETH traders. I was fudded. I was shamed. I was thrown in the mud. But we're here. It only took a year. I'm hyped to see it. Uh, it's about time. Yeah, I mean, you you definitely recognized that Solana was going to have a rise. When you first, first went to it, uh, we all thought you were crazy. I think that within a couple of months, it was clear that Solana was, you know, definitely something, probably something, if you will. Uh, easy, you're very good at identifying what the next big thing could be, you know, from a trend standpoint. Are there any other blockchains that are catching your attention, like whether it's like Arbitrum or something Aptos like that? Aptos and Sweet are the two I'm looking at. Aptos and Sweep? Sweet, S-U-I. Okay. It, it, it sounds like you're like in a, you're, a factory. You're like a checkout zone. We got signal in a construction I'm in area. An elevator, we got brother, easy in a... All good. All good. Spencer, you unmuted. What's going on? I was on? just going to say that Arbitrum isn't really a separate. I mean, it's an L2 on Ethereum, so it's not quite the same as like a separate L1 like Solana. But Arbitrum is very cool. I'm glad you brought it up. Fair. Yeah, man. Uh, all these L2s, L1s, L3s, you know, I just do the damn thing. Uh, so but, we got. <laughs> go oh, ahead. I was going to say one more thing. Um, there's a cool protocol actually on Arbitrum called Mycelium XYZ which lets you up to 20x leverage long or short Ethereum, which if you're trying to trade the the intense volatility right now is like an interesting thing to look at. All right. Spencer always has his uh, ear to the ground, if you will, knows what's going on. We got Soul Steve and Skull Guru. I'm excited uh, to hear from both. Soul Steve, take it away. Pow, pow. Happy Solana September, everybody. Um, we're, we're out here eating in the, the nifty Soul Trade Discord for sure. Um, I know I'm a couple weeks late to this one, but also wanted to congratulate Node on his SMB. Welcome to the Solana side, my friend. Um, He's had it for a while, man. He's had it since January or February. Yeah, good, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, so there's been a lot of talk, like you mentioned, about Magic Eden and, and all the innovating they're doing. And, and I was in a conversation yesterday where, where people were saying, you know, is Magic Eden driving, you know, the, the push on Solana right now? And I kind of took the other side of that take. I mean, what? What is OpenSea doing? Like, are, is there anybody like they just seem completely asleep at the wheel? And and even that, you know, if you, you go kind of a step further and compare, you know, Phantom Wallet and, and some of the other wallets, like, where's MetaMask? Like, I mean, MetaMask and OpenSea were like the two big names in NFTs last year, and they've all but completely disappeared. I'm, I'm kind of at a loss, to be honest.
Yeah, I mean, look, I can express my opinion. Uh, you guys hear from me enough. I'd like to hear from Nick on this one on OpenSea as an organization and like really what is going on with OpenSea and whether they're fumbling the ball. The reason that I say it is because like when I, you know, the NFT market has a lot of people that are very impatient, that have unrealistic uh, expectations of what deliverables look like and what uh, a business should be doing on a day-to-day basis. But when I look at OpenSea, I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, seriously, that that's the way that I look at it. Nick, what are your thoughts? Yeah, they're fumbling the ball like Los Angeles Rams dropped the ball last night. I mean, geez, Louise, like, talk about my fantasy sports team just absolutely <laughs> failing. Uh, but yeah, open C, I don't even, you, you know, I don't even usually watch football. I go turn the damn game on and it's just absolute devastation. The second half was just absolute disaster. It wasn't even like, if <laughs> Nick, you bought, you the, t- Nick, you have the bills defense. Well, if you bought, uh, yeah. And I benched them. So, uh, what? if you, you benched the number one, defense? <laughs> I didn't know. I looked at the point projection. I don't know any of these different things. Dude, I drafted four running backs and I thought I was dumb. Okay, well, anyways, bottom line is it was a complete disaster for me, and it feels very similar. Like, if you're sitting here on the open seat team, or actually, I'll be honesty, all the fi- uh, uh, honesty, I'll be honest with I combine a lot of words there. I'll be honest with you. Uh, the NFT traders are sort of like the fantasy sports people, players, uh, looking at the, the where the actual people who are playing the game are operating and that's over at OpenSea. And we're looking at them right now. We got OpenSea in the lineup and they just keep fumbling the ball. I was chatting with someone uh, <laughs> last night. So actually the guy, uh, what? <laughs> Go long. <laughs> so well, I, I asked about OpenSea and I got full on. Hey, I was just giving you a little transition <laughs> there. It's good. It's good. Uh, it's good. So a sort of metaphor, if you will. Um, but basically, well, this is a a little story when I ordered the, as someone, people have made fun of me for calling Peloton or, uh, Peloton. And I'm just saying like, if you're East coast, baby it's Peloton. That's all that you got to know. Okay. So represent for Peloton, New York, Uh, yo, Brooklyn represent (laughs) (laughs) Queens. So, uh, I bought the the bike from this guy. I told Pio about the fact that I was really offended in the way that he delivered it because he was literally just dragging the bike off the curb, like just letting it bounce on the ground. And I'm like watching this happen. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? I'm about to give you, I'm about to give you hundreds of dollars for this thing. Like treat my bike with some respect. Like you, what the- you thought you thought someone that bought a Peloton during COVID never used it and is now dumping it on the secondary in New York was going to just be an elite person. He, he just did. So I'm like carrying it. He's like, no, 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 no. Drop it on the ground. And I'm like, no, I'm fucking carrying this thing. I don't care if it weighs additional weight. Well, I'm not just dre- these aren't rollerblades. Like I'm not expecting them to go rolling in the street. Like what the hell, dude? So anyways, There may be some like dents and other shit in this bike now, which is really offensive because it reduced the resale value, but that's nothing to do with OpenSea. The reason that I mentioned it was when we walked back to the car, he was talking about his developer friend who works at OpenSea, and he was just like, they're killing it right now. And my first response was like, are they? (laughs) Like, like, Well, they are like in terms of revenue. Not really. I mean, right now their revenues dropped 90%. So they raised money at a, what, uh, few billion dollar valuation 
their uh, monthly fees right now for the month of September is, uh, okay, 2.5 million. So it's not awful. Uh, so if they got up to 7.5 million uh, a month and then you have 12, that's $90 million in revenue. Okay. Yeah, that's legit. Um, but they had way more. They were operating at 200 million a month, uh, ranging up to, they did almost 400 million uh, last or in January, which is absolutely bonkers. Their highest fees month. But um, I mean, so they have all this revenue, they have all of this funding. And what we've received so far um, was uh, uh, like a leaderboard and then a new contract. So, like, I, I don't know what else we have, like, coming from OpenSea well, literally and, in the past year and a half. And the ability to make collection offers based on traits. There you go. Is pretty good. But the, the thing about OpenSea is, like, it, it's just so clear. Like, they're obviously going to go public first. Like, it, this is the same thing that happened with Coinbase. Coinbase was also not the best platform out there. Everyone had the same gripes. But they had the investors and the head start and the market share to just be the first public company. And so there's no incentive to take any risk because they're just going to go public in the next bull run pretty early on, 100%. Like, th th this is the thing with OpenSea. It's like there's zero incentive to do anything that could rock the boat because they're for sure going public beginning of next bull run. Fair, but like minor feature upgrades? I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. You're absolutely right. But it's like, would like a, a slight improvement really rock the boat that much? Like a, a tiny feature addition? You know what I mean? I mean, uh, but like that was what the like, like, like what features are we looking for from them? Well, I, mean, oh, I got point, a laundry list. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, Come on now, what features have they actually implemented? Let's look at <laughs> any other marketplace on good old Solana and see a thousand iterations over less than a year with like a quarter of the revenue. Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's stuff they could do. Ben raised his hand during this. Ben, do you have thoughts well, on this? They should launch an NFT. Okay, and I uh, comment on M NFTs. Let me know when you want to get back to that. Well, I was just saying, OpenSea <laughs> wants to launch an NFT. What do you think they should do, Ben? I think they should collab with MetaMask and get us some OpenSea and MetaMask tokens. <laughs> I would like to do that. Honestly, since Deadfellas partnered with Wrangler, OpenSea would have a great Jeep collab. I think it would just <laughs> do really well. We're gonna be beeping at OpenSea. Uh, Soul Steve, you raise your hand again. Something to put a bow on this. Yeah, no, just just one last point. I mean, I do love this new like scorched earth nifty nick, but talk about taking us <laughs> on a journey around the world to get to a point there. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, oh, yo, I walked you on that journey, okay? I brought you up into my apartment, I brought you back downstairs, and I brought you back up in my apartment. So that was the sort of sequence that went on there. You're welcome. Yeah, so thanks. The journey right. I totally didn't need. But um one other point on the on the Magic Eden open sea thing. I did see the other day that uh, Azra Games, which is a you know a new project that I believe is backed by Soul Big Brains, um, Easy can correct me on on that if I'm wrong, but they are launching a full ETH only collection and it will be launched on Magic Eden. So we've seen some some of these cross mints, some of these you know can mint on Soul or can mint on ETH or buy with a credit card, but I think this will be the first project that's truly a dedicated ETH project that will be launched on Magic Eden. It'll be interesting. ETH uh, was goes. the first one. That launched. So Psychedelics Anonymous was the first one on their launch pad. But Azra is the one that's like not having any previous collection. They were also unsure what blockchain they were going to launch on. We interviewed them three months ago on the Nifty. 
Perfect. Thanks for tying it up easy. There you go, easy. I want to throw to Ben and then to Skull Guru. Ben, uh, I think I have an idea of what's on your mind. Go ahead. What do you think it is, P.O.? Gang, gang. Gang, gang. <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah, so um, Gutter Cat Gang put out a post yesterday with uh, the, their roadmap style introduction, I guess, where they put out a, a big um, image and you have to look through it and kind of guess what it's going to be. But um, they have the date of 9-10, so for tomorrow. And I noticed in the top left of the picture, they had bags of uh, coins or, or what looked like money bags being airdropped. And I'm actually writing out a, a drafted tweet right now about it. But it looks like the gutter cats are going to get the large majority of coins. The dogs, pigeons, and rats are going to get a good chunk, but uh, spread across the three. And then also looks like all the clones are also going to get uh, gutter cat gang so i'm gonna be taking all the the gutter juices that i have and turning them into gutter clones by tomorrow just in case there's a, a drop or, or a snapshot dude you and fran elations are about to be like rolling in the dough uh a fran was pinging me about it and i was like do you have like any exposure to gutter cats and then he just like hits me with the list he's got like a bunch and i was like damn you know like that's that's a really good call gutter cat gang that ecosystem is in my opinion one of the strongest ones uh but it's not one of like the a16z backed or i don't know if they have venture backing but they're they're doing so well um, Spencer, I'd be curious, like, what's your opinion? Like when you look at gutter cat gang and you look at, first of all, the, the levels that the NFT collections have held here in this, you know, bear market, w Spencer, what's your perspective on, on gutter gang? I'd be, I'd be curious. So I think of gutter gang, um, like kind of similar to some of the other NFT projects from that era where it, so you, you can look at their floor price and say it's relatively high, but they, they also have like a low supply. So that's a little bit misleading. Like gutter cat gang is around the same floor is around the same market cap as something like cool cats, um, which, which is good for it. Uh, they, the, the issue with them. And I think this is the same issue that say like dead fellas has where like, they're both products. I think of they're from a similar era. They're like not actually that far off in terms of market cap from each other their teams are continually producing stuff um, and they're obviously still working is that like none of the stuff that in my mind that they've done has hit super hard. And what worries me is that like, it is clear to me that they are continuing to build a company and they're working and that seems to not have an effect on floor price. And so when I look at those two collections, I think, okay, in the next bull run, I think there's a good chance that they do very, very well, but, there's also a good chance that like, like it's, it's hard to ignore the fact that they're already like doing well as a company, but not doing well in terms of price of asset. Right. And so what is the point? Like, what is the reason for that? Maybe it's just the attention from the wrong people. Maybe it's people behind the scenes. Don't like the, like, I, I can't tell you exactly why. Um, I think it's one of those. I can tell you that, some of it, Spencer. What? What, what, or at least I could tell you some of it, or at least what I've yeah. seen and, and, and what I think. Um, First of all, they did take a, a much different approach than many other projects, especially at the time where the Cats launched with 3,000. And then they had three other subsequent collections that also launched with 3,000. And all three of those other ones are also over a 1.3 ETH floor. So I think you have to also kind of take that into account and look at it 
similar to like a 12,000 collection that has different metadata. And then um, a lot of people just don't like the abrasive mentality of the community and like the scrappiness, which is so one of the things I actually think is a little endearing about it, but it's harder to get that mass adoption when people feel that way. And, And those are some of the things I think that they've done differently, but also why I think people reject it a little bit. Yeah. And Ben, to, to your point too, like if you'd asked me like several months ago, my response would have been that like, I don't see the thesis for holding a gutter cat over a cool cat. I think my opinion on that has changed as we've seen the cool cat. But but this was the thing is like when these products first came out, the, the subset of the community that went towards the more abrasive project was like one subset. And then it was like the cutesy, like more wholesome project attracted the other one. And I will say, like, I personally was a member of the Cool Cats community or am like I hold the Cool Cat, but more like still friends with a lot of that community, less so than Gutter Cat Gang. And I think Gutter Cat Gang to me will always would succeed if they were able to poach that back over, because I think there is an opportunity right now to poach back over the Cool Cats community to another community. But I don't really see them actively doing that. And that, that's my challenge with them. None of that applies to, though, uh, dead fellas, which if you were to listen to what people say they want from a project consistently delivers over and over and over and over. I agree. They slow built. They built a brand. They built a community. They're on social media, but not overly. Uh, if you look at their like snowboard collab, the Wrangler one, I agree, is kind of a question mark. But if you look at what they did with like snowboards, you could literally be like, this could literally just be a snowboard company. It looks so dope. Um, they basically had no problems with their second mint. They expanded, you know, maybe they should have done, maybe, maybe it was a mistake. That was at the time everybody was trying to expand their community. But at the time it was like there were 6,000 holders and they wanted to expand their community. No technical issues, no problems, no scandals, no nothing. So if you say you want, and, and quietly building in the background, right? They always have, they're always dropping collabs like every month. So if people say what they want from NFTs is web three, they're definitely web three first, right? Web three forward, but still like working with web two brands, doing everything, then they should be a five ETH brand. But people are full of shit. What they really want is like a bro fest circle jerk where the number just goes up. <laughs> and that's why people are more on Solana <laughs> and not on Death Bowl. Tell me one thing. If you were to take out take out the name and take out the call, take out the, the, the PFP and just say what Dead Fellows has done compared to other projects and tell me one project delivered better than Dead Fellows well, over and over. Real quick, real quick. <laughs> I want to get back to Deadfellas because I think it's worth talking about. The one flag I want to throw on Deadfellas is there was like that partnership with that brand Nuno, N-E-U-N-O. And I didn't see anything from that Nuno brand. So that was a lapse in judgment and basically announcing a partnership with a brand that was, I don't want to say a rug, but like. I'm still waiting on those physical clothes that we were supposed to get. Yeah, I don't want to say it was a rug, but like, I don't know. I'm not seeing a lot of action. Like, I'm, I just don't know what anyone's doing over there. Uh, Nick and Signal had their hands raised during the gutter cat conversation. Uh, Nick, do you have any thoughts on that? And then we'll throw to Signal. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, if you were going to make a purchase right now, you know, are you buying a doodle or are you buying a gutter cat? And, you know, if I'm, I'm making a decision on that right now, I'm going with the one uh, that posts the tweet. You know, and right now, <laughs> Guttercat posted a tweet. And so therefore, you know, they, they posted a tweet with an image with a little bit of some hidden text. They left a little bit of mystery involved in that. They left us sort of curious and wondering. And I just think about that and I look at that tweet and I say, my God, this is absolutely genius. I've never seen anything like this before. 
Um, this is probably one of the first times that I've seen this out of an NFT project to post an image. And I'm very excited about this, uh, about this post. And I'm looking at it saying, do I need to be in the gutter gang? They're out here tweeting. <laughs> so I'm just trying to figure out, I'm looking at the, the floor prices in comparison to those two things. And I'm saying, yeah, maybe, maybe we got one, uh, <laughs> underpriced and maybe the one overpriced. And in terms of the thing that Ben was saying about the branding, I don't know that it's like, in terms of getting involved, that there's uh, any issue. Frankly, I thought um, Gutter Cat Gang, like, when we're discussing about, quote, community in this space, isn't it like a fairly homogenous group of uh, creatives, privileged individuals that have time to sit in front of their commu uh, computer and tweet about NFTs for an extended period of time? So I feel like, you already end up with this like filter within the groups. I don't think that there's much variance from one NFT collection to the next. And frankly, the switching cost is near zero once you're within a specific realm. Like I guess you could compare Cool Cats, their floor is still below two. So you need three of those to get into three plus to get into Gutter Gang. Uh, you could toss in an ETH on top of Gutter Cat Gang and switch into Doodles if you want. Or you could sell your doodle, buy a gutter cat, and have an ETH left over to then go sweep the floor of Nifty Portal. So when I look at these sort of <laughs> comparables, that's kind of what I'm thinking about. Well, there you go. Signal, any, anything to add? Yeah, actually, Spencer, just to your point, I think like if you think of an NFT portfolio as if you had equities, bonds, and like equities, bonds, and say property in that portfolio, and we're looking at this from the 10K PF perspective, you want to have your collections in there, the 10K side, that have huge convexity, both to the upside, but also to the downside. So you're gonna see these huge swings in volatility. But at the same time, you need your bonds, you need your stable collections that just don't do anything and can just really survive these kind of markets. And that's where I see Gutter Cat Gang. Like, although the community is small, um, it's extremely loud, which I think is a good thing. And they don't need to go for mass adoption. I think everybody keeps talking about mass adoption, but with a really small community, a project can still win. They can still take in huge amounts of capital and revenue and, and profits and, and be known. So I think where, like, where you see, uh, say, for example, swings in something like Moonbirds, which can go up to 30 years, but then like, look at it now, it's completely crashed down. If you just hold Gutter Cat as a 10K, 10K PFP, which stays stable, and you have that and you're running that as a portfolio, it can be a win for both the community and the project in the short, medium, and long term. I think that's one of their greatest strengths. Yeah, I mean, I think... So if, my portfolio, if my NFT portfolio is a stock, it would be all penny stocks and junk bonds. But that's, that's, just, that's just what I got. Go ahead, Bill. <laughs> I think that Gutter Cat Gang uh, has demonstrated that they're the, one of the more legitimate like businesses in the NFT space. It took me a little bit to like fully realize that, but that's, that's my thought. Uh, Spencer has his hand raised. Then we've been making Skull Guru wait, so I'm going to throw it to him. But Spencer, go ahead. Yeah, I guess th this is the thing is like, I totally agree with what you guys were saying about dead fellas, where like any if you if you had a laundry list of what you people say they want from an NFT project, dead fellas is delivered, and it just has not impacted floor price. And like, you can think of that as the market is mispricing it. And then in a bull run, it will be repriced. Or you can think of that as maybe like, I don't want to look at this because it because like, they could continue to deliver amazing things, and it just won't matter for the price of the item. 
And like, I think of that too, where like, the extreme case of that is, um, is, is Pixel Vault, where like they, they had a Dana White partnership with, and it just didn't, the floor price went like down, right? And so it, it's, it's totally unclear a lot of the times if, pe- if things move with these bullish news. Now, the last thing I'll say too is the Wrangler Jeans partnership is actually like the last time I saw a Wrangler Jeans partnership was Rick and Morty. Like if you watch, there's an episode where they have a laser that will only destroy everything except for Wrangler jeans. And it was a Wrangler <laughs> jeans ad in Rick and Morty. So that's not like a small, you know, like Dead Fellows is basically Rick and Morty. I don't know. Like, I don't know what you guys want. <laughs> so there's a couple of things about what you just said. The biggest is I look at Pixel Vault. I look at Dead Fellows. I think I look at World of Women. I look at V Friends. I look at multiple projects in this realm. And what do they all have in common? dilution they all added a bunch of nfts to a market that not had not expanded correspondingly and that's the biggest issue the only distinction is the demand had increased for yuga labs and a lot of the people downstream interpreted that as well we can do the exact same thing so they followed that playbook but i think demand was actually more on a curve tail sort of thing and so yes a lot of value accrues to the ones at the top but if you try, Ryan, you're going to get wrecked. And I think that's what happened here uh, with Dead Fellas, with World of Women, with even V Friends now at this point in time. And it's less about the hype. It's about the fact that like what initially existed there was a community that felt exclusive. And there's and what happens is is when people at the top, what like what did Bored Apes come out of? To me, Bored Apes came out of CryptoPunks. A lot of people that had entered the NFT space were looking at CryptoPunks and saying, I'm not spending 15, 30, eventually $50,000 plus on an NFT. I'm just not doing it. It doesn't make sense to me. And Bored Ape drops at, at a perfect time when you have all this demand entering the market and they go and look at uh, CryptoPunks and they say, I want one of those things, but I want something to make it my own. And l- whether you love or hate the art, it was compelling enough that people were able to go buy in on that particular thing. And I think when we, when we saw uh, uh, like a bunch of people race into Board API Club, that was, uh, that was taking advantage of the unfulfilled demand. But then we saw a flood of projects come in over the past year. And so essentially, we, we've just seen a, redu- a reduction in... Uh, like we haven't seen, sorry, it's not even, well, we have seen a reduction in demand, but we've also seen just a massive expansion in supply. And when those things go hand in hand, eventually it's just not sustainable. So I think it's really as simple as that when it comes to all these other different projects is that you just can't, like your job is to build a community that's passionate enough with the supply that you've issued at that point in time. And, and for, for me, Eventually, if the demand goes up and people see a compelling reason to join this thing, then the price will correspondingly go up. But I don't think that you should dilute the supply, especially in a market looking at the overall macro space. Instead, just retain that high floor price, sit with it, and keep building. Because you don't need, I don't know what the distinction is between having three and six million dollars outside of, yes, the obvious three million dollars. But you can do an incredible amount of things like a partnership with Rainbow, how much did that cost? Like it didn't cost them a ton of money. And so, or, or you hired a biz dev person or something like that. Like I, I it just doesn't, I, I, to me, that seems like operate with what you have 
and go and just build that. And eventually, hopefully the demand gets to a point where the price goes up. And, and I want to know, know what you're thinking and, about, uh, what you guys think about um, reducing supply via burning mechanisms. It's kind of acting like a mini Fed to adjust to this later. But Skull Guru has been waiting forever. Yeah, Clearly, no, I'm uh, throw the, they don't I'm know the rules and just waiting yeah. patiently like an idiot. So let's I'm get throwing to the Skull Guru in a second. Deflation is, is going to be a big part of the NFT space. It already is. Uh, the key is to... In- figure out a way to incentivize someone to burn, like a proper incentive to burn. Just to add something to what Nick said, the, the thing is, is like, first of all, what Nick said about capital is why I was saying that I liked the $7 million raise by Dust Labs because they don't need more capital. Like people were like, I wanted to hear $50 million or $100 million. They don't need that. They literally don't need that capital. The guy, Gabe, or, or whatever his name is from Digidaigaku that raised $200 million, he's already got a proven billion-dollar track record in the free-to-mint gaming space, or free-to-play gaming space. So that's why he did the $200 million raise. Dust Labs is not that. It's a different thing. They raised an appropriate amount of capital. That was good. Um, the, other, the only other thing about all these different businesses in the NFT space is I hear, like, this team's building, this team's delivering. But I do raise an eyebrow, and I question whether... Whether they're operating with that, like, you know, cold-blooded American entrepreneur works 16 hours a day around the clock without breaks, without vacations mentality that a lot of the rest of the world points at and says is unhealthy and is not the way to live your life, which I understand. But if we start talking about global competition for business, all of a sudden all bets are off and you just have to do your absolute best to be elite. So I wonder whether some of these teams are taking vacations. And I know that sounds like, hey, you know, fuck off. They they should be allowed to take a vacation. But my like cold blooded American mindset is like not in the first year of business, bro. Not in the first two years of business, bro. Um, So that's my mentality is I wonder if people are really putting in that 16 hours a day that Board Ape Yacht Club's founders said that they're putting in. And I believe. So I just want to put that out there. Skull Guru, my guy, purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, former professional MMA fighter. What's going on, amigo? How's it going, man? Um, First, I wanted to touch on the Wrangler thing, right? So finally, there's a NFT collab that um, is for us, that li- those of us that live in the sticks, right? Um, I'm not much of a fashion guy, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, Wrangler, let's rock. <laughs> oh, yeah. One of the few jeans I wear. Um, and then also, I wanted to bring up the um, Alpha... Co- I'm going to butcher the hell out of the name. Um, the AK, the A-C-K. Alpha Slickatorian kid um, that you guys brought up on the YouTube show the other day. Um, so the Mint, the open edition was yesterday, you know, after the um, the whole buying for ungodly amount of ETH and then burning, right? Um, so the open edition was for 0.069 yesterday, 3,000, a little over 3,000 were minted. Um, and then... The Pale Blue Death is what everyone thought they were minting, right? Well, of course, he likes shenanigans. And then it turned into a Max Payne V2 um, with the caption, does it hurt more or less now? So it appears that there's going to be more shenanigans coming um, from Centaur whatever kid. I'm really bad at pronouncing his name. Yeah, ACK. Yeah, so I bought two of that NFT you're talking about, which I guess the title right now is Max Payne V2. I mean, if I had to make a bet, I bet that he updates the um, the metadata again. There is liquidity on that, although it's slowed heavily now. The only thing that I worry about is, you know, all fine art projects have very limited liquidity. And this is an addition. It looks like there's 3,403 editions of Max Payne V2. 
Um, as a holder of two of them, obviously, I think it's cool. I think ACK is a badass artist. Um, I'm happy that he probably did well with, uh, you know, the primary sale revenue. Uh, but I do fear uh, liquidity drying up on this because he's an artist. He's not you know, a web three business that is like, I don't think he's going to build out like a 15 person team. And he, and I don't think he's trying to, right? I'm not criticizing him, but as someone that's a holder now of the asset, uh, I'm definitely curious to see what comes next, but I do expect liquidity to dry. Um, Jesse, you raise your hand. What's going on? Yeah, just to tie together a couple things. I mean, one, the, um, uh, with the, the, there's a, there's a, what's it called? The Stoics is minting right now and it's going to mint out probably in a couple hours. I mentioned it a couple of days ago, they screwed up, uh, their mint. And then, you know, now it's like a 5,000 K it's a 5k project. I think it's decent. You know, I don't know if it's going to pump, but it's trading above mint at the moment, but they had a bad, um, obviously problem with bots. They immediately went to Twitter and discord and said, we're going to take care of it. We're going to, um, you know, refund people and we're going to start it over. But they also sent a tweet that was like, dear bots, we know our project is super great, but can you please like not like screw with us, which got like a lot of attention and a lot of love. So it's just a another signal to like the, the, the doodles and the other people out there. Like it doesn't take a lot of effort. Like you can even turn a bad thing into a good social media campaign. And the doodles could have easily after all these spotty Wi-Fi tweets posted a meme done this spider-man meme done something out there where you say okay we hear you and even you know they, they might not want to release what they're working on but do like a semi tease it doesn't take that much to be a little bit creative with social media and it's it is i mean i hate to keep you know this is this is nick's this is nick's uh, rants I'll, I'll leave it to him but it doesn't take that much to engage they, they, they still yeah god they still can Literally, like, just tweet GM. I don't understand. Like, just switch the account. It's that simple. People are going to be like, oh, shit, they tweeted. People are going to be going wild. The floor is going to jump three ETH all of a sudden because people are going to be like, ah, my God. They're alive. <laughs> Literally, a GM would go parabolic. Probably their most <laughs> engaged tweet. Like, it would be crazy. That's all it takes. Two letters. I love I love Nick tripling down on this, uh, but, but you know, it's, it's not even it's not even tripling down. It's just accurate. Like it's it's so absolutely ludicrous. All they got to switch everything else. Like honestly, they could be doing nothing behind the scenes and posting a couple of tweets, and people would just assume that they were doing something. But the absolute dead silence, the 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 aspect that like they're. Uh, it, they now feel like a project where even the community managers feel out of touch with the actual what's going on in the business, basically, um, which is a common thing that that happens. But I, th I think like when I look at um, the Doodles Discord, that's like where they're trying to and one of their lead community managers is trying to basically like keep people at bay, you know, try and keep things positive. And it's just like. All, all they would have to do is post like a single update. I, I just don't understand. It's so simple, yet seems so difficult. And the current barriers that they don't have a social media manager. It's like, yo, did, did you did you like skip step two, three, four, and five of like building the business? I just don't understand. Like one was like start selling products. Holy shit, people are buying this thing. And then step two is like 
okay, let's start adding people as it grows. But in the interim, you still got to do some of that work. So I, I don't know. It just seems it, 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 it's such a ridiculous thing. And initially I was like, oh, this is fucked up that uh, like, wow, look at everyone fudding the fact that they're not like tweeting. But now it's at a point where I'm just like, wait, hold on. They took the time. I guess what happened was after I got this like personal or this message responded to by someone on the team, I'm like, which essentially made me look bad. I'm like, or was an attempt to, I guess, was, wait, what? hold up. Y'all are on fucking Twitter and you're not tweeting? Like, what? what's going on? Like, you had the time to post that, but you can't just post GM? Like, get the fuck out of here. Get out of my replies. We got, I got, like, the, the executive team and, and founding team as reply guys in my tweets but they can't fucking post a tweet. Get the hell out of here. It's Anyways. a great point. It's a great point because, and it also, because there's such like a positive space for them to look bitter. You're right. That's like, a, oh my God, it's, it's so bad. So look, so real quick, we got some new speakers on stage. I'm excited to hear from them on this note though, you know, and what uh, like we've been talking about with these different teams building, like I was just listening to a podcast with basically the number one guy ever in the martial art Brazilian jiu-jitsu and he and he's only 27 years old and he's already basically the number one guy ever. His name's Gordon Ryan. And what he was talking about is when he first was rising in the sport, all of the elite people were all working at an equal level. They were like training like X amount per week. And, and he viewed that as lazy. He thought it was not an appropriate amount of work to be like the best in the world, right? So then him and his team started training like basically around the clock. And all those guys from before were like, you know, trying to dismiss him and just being like, you know, he's not a real practitioner, blah, blah, blah. And then he rose to the absolute top and became number one in the world. And the guys on his team became like number three and number six. And like basically the whole top 15 was him and his whole squad, right? So that that's something that like I feel like we see in the NFT spaces. There was a certain standard of what was an appropriate amount of work. People like Board Ape Yacht Club came through and blew the whole roof off. And um, a quote that he had was, as more money comes into the sport, that's when you're going to see the work ethic increase. As more money comes into the sport of nfts as guys like that guy gabe from digidaigaku and these other entities come into the the game here you're going to see new standards for work and the legacy people that were you know only putting in the bare minimum are just going to get left behind it's just the way it works Ooh. so we got uncle.eth uh with his hand raised he's wrapping a gutter dog uh uncle.eth you've been on the show before i believe your banner says gm so you understand how to throw a gm out on twitter and it says that you are a Crypto enthusiast, NFT degen, up only, then down badly. What's going on, Uncle? Yeah, yeah, GM, GM. Uh, yeah, I've been on the show before. I just wanted to throw back to Nick what he said about with the doodles. I hate how people are just shaming always on the internet, on Twitter. Like, who knew that his relative was sick? Who knew any of that? Besides the fact that he's the artist. He's not the social media manager. He's not the community manager. He's the artist. The Most of the thing he should be doing is drawing for the team. Um, and getting back to the gutter, I don't want to, to, uh... Oh, shit! He <laughs> says sit down and draw, you <laughs> artist! Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. Shit! All right. He did, Nick, Nick's being funny, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Uncle, go ahead. I, I want to get back to the gutter, give you a little insight. So, a lot of people in the space, uh, the gutter cat space, is buying right now all the clones because if you read the message, it kind of says DNA2 initializing or something like that. 
which means they're going to be doing a Dutch auction probably tomorrow. We don't know how many the Dutch auction is going to be because that's what it says in the contract of the juices. So a lot of people are running to do their juices and get their clones, uh, get some nice clones so they could uh, upgrade it. And there's probably going to be a limited amount of of DNA too, maybe 4,000. So there's a lot of game theory there. Yeah, I mean, look, they're doing a good job. Uh, I think the bullish thing for a, a collection like that would be like an A16Z funding round announcement, but maybe, maybe that's the most uh, obvious comment of all time. So we got BTC Island Boy. Uh, you are a crypto slash Web3 investor and a real estate investor. You're repping hashtag Bitcoin. Uh, I don't believe you've been on the show before. Welcome. What's going on? GM, thank you, P.O. Um, you know, I just want to shout out to Nick for keeping 100 last week when he posted an empathetic tweet involving a certain someone, maybe want to floor my portal. And I was like, this, Nick, this isn't you. But when he fired shots back shortly after, I was like, hell yeah, this is why I'm a part of the Nifty portal. Um, but other than that, you know, when the ApeCoin announcement was made, apes along with mutants price shot up drastically. And then shortly after claiming the ape, along with other deed land, the price dropped drastically. So I would just keep this in mind, and it may be a better time to enter the ecosystem after the gang drops. And I'm just curious, y'all's thoughts. Anybody? Anyone? Anyone have any thoughts besides me? I've been talking a lot, Uncle. I mean, everyone. Everyone's really. Uh, they keep their assets. No one sells shit in the gang. A lot of people are even talking about when they get the gang airdrop, they're just going to do a liquidity provider. So I don't think it's going to really drop so much. Because also people are going to run for the clones to upgrade the DNA too. And there's going to be a lot going on in the system. They have so much going on. There's going to be the game. There's going to be frogs. And there might be even staking for the OG uh, dogs, cat, dogs, rats, and pigeons. But the cats are for sure going to be staked. So there's going to be a lot of game theory to run to. Yeah, and then knowing the team, they'll probably have a lot more use for the coin than other projects who release their coins and then there's not much to do with it since they've already done so much, especially like in real life events, merch, all that kind of stuff. They'll probably have other use cases for it. And I think they could have dropped it really months ago, but they've been delaying it um, to provide sinks as well as you know, the, the, the market in general was just horrendous over the last few months. So looking at it now, I think it's, it's a good time to start really getting that going. And, and I'm not really sure exactly what gutter clones two is. So I think having that speculation is good as long as it's not going to dramatically increase the supply further. They're opening a marketplace. They're going to have a marketplace where you're going to be able to use the gang. They're going to have uh, merch. You're probably going to be able to buy the, the, the gutter assets there. Because if you notice a lot of assets are more transferring and not selling because there's gonna, there is a lot of OTC deals. No one really uses uh, OpenSea, so it's gonna be great for the ecosystem to keep it all in house. All right, we got some some supporters of the Gutter Gang. Nick, well, go ahead. I'm just wondering what's gonna happen when we have when we introduce Warren Gangs and like we're now roaming the streets. What what's gonna happen and what a Gutter Cast gonna say to our face? You know, Ooh. like that's the thing that I'm trying to Nifty figure out. Nifty Gang, is yeah, that uh, what we're going with? Nifty hey, gang. look, uh, uh, hey, I'm not, I don't want to telegraph any words, um, but you know, let's just say there may be some violence. You know, <laughs> our characters may be incredibly violent characters. Yo, Uncle Dadith, Ben, you know, all these gutter cats up here, it's like, we respect you all, but like, it's like when we have our gang out there, I don't know, I'm just saying, uh, signal, what's going on? 
Yeah, like I'm just I'm just curious what's going to happen to the market when everything becomes really fragmented because uh, gang, so Gattacat Gang are going to have their marketplace. Pixel Vault have their marketplace. Apes are, are, are probably going to have their marketplace. Like all the top projects are starting to like just go off and do their own marketplaces. And it just feels as if it's going to become really fragmented and not like not feel unified in the same way that it, that it does now and it certainly did last year i don't know i like i don't know, know if anyone has any other thoughts on this but i do feel like once we get these separate marketplaces like the um the less volume like the like the less volume that people see across the market just sort of like not able to see that OpenSea has done 15 million or 20 million but you're now seeing it broken up that Gutter Kang did one million, Pixel Vault did half a million. The market's going to feel very different, and maybe uh, people will also feel different because they see less liquidity because it's not unified in one place. I think this is something that's going to play out in the next sort of three to six months. It could be a really bad move for these these different uh, you know businesses that elect to move forward with their own marketplaces, and we might look back and say that wasn't the right move. And then all of a sudden, new businesses that get built without their own marketplaces have a rise to prominence. E eighty eight dot ETH has been patiently waiting. E eighty eight, what's going on? Hey guys, look, I have to totally agree with Signal here. I, I, just to give my perspective on the whole macro. And not to be a downer in, in terms of the whole NFT space, but uh, if you look at the top 10 in terms of OpenSea, it's quite derisory, I would say. And we really need a positive catalyst in terms of the space. And as Signal said, you know, NFT spaces tends to be quite tribal. So you have the cool cats, you have the apes, you have the doodles. They don't necessarily, you know, going to switch uh, teams, if I say, say it that way, between each other and even with the gutter cat gangs, I don't think there's going to be a lot of switching between uh, on a mass level between those two projects in terms of the existing holders. So we need new incremental demand. Um, and that's really, you know, what's missing in terms of the space. I think uh, people are sort of very comfortable in terms of the space and, you know, they're happy with what they have or they're not happy with that, with what they have in their selling. So I think the problem right now is really sort of onboarding the normies, if I call them that, in terms of the NFTs. There's no real normies sort of crossing over from Web 2 to Web 3. So, um, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, in, in terms of this show, I hope it addresses um, to get more encouragement in terms of um, new entrants, because I, I just don't think um, the industry is really doing that. And that's what we really need. So right now, I think um, the way that I'm thinking about the space is that, you know, I'm focusing much more in terms of digital art versus memes and PFPs. And that's, I think, how the floor prices and a lot of the volumes are slowly uh, going. Um, but interested to hear uh, your perspectives. Yeah, recurring themes on this show are that no new participants are coming into the market or a very limited amount, uh, that the new participants that are coming into the market, are, in my opinion, are much more inclined to do so on Solana versus Ethereum, at least given the current state of affairs. And then the last thing, what you talked about digital art is something we talk about on Node Mode, uh, which yeah. is whether the traditional art market, uh, like how long it's going to take, and, and a lot of people just believe it'll never happen, right? So like the if, and if so, how long it'll take 
take for the traditional art market to view digital artwork identically to traditional artwork. So in the same auction, they're auctioning off a Rothko or like, you know, uh, a Liechtenstein or a Picasso, and then they're just auctioning off a piece of digital art, which is backed, you know, by, you know, it's NFT technology. And they don't say, and this one's an NFT. It's just viewed the same way. Like that's, that's yeah. kind of what you're talking about for the long term. Ben has his hand raised. Ben, what is going on, Amiga? Yeah. Re regarding Signal's question about the, the different marketplaces and stuff like that, I, I definitely agree that, you know, that fragmentation can get a little bit confusing for the market. But I think overall, long term, it's a good thing, especially when we talk about decentralization. And, you know, people were complaining for the longest time that OpenSea was like basically the only player in town. And, you know, you can't get responses from them. Their customer support sucks and all this different stuff that I think having new options and different options are great. And you'll have you'll have marketplaces come out that do the, the zero percent royalty stuff, but then you also have ones that don't. And then you have like a magic Eden that adds stats and, and graphs right on the page. And then you have like your chimpers marketplace and, and all these different customized ones that are for the, the project specifically to the point where they can showcase their NFTs in a, in a different, more specified way that, they would like the visual appearance of more so than maybe an open sea, but also it just gives people the opportunity to have different places to go. But with, with signals point about monitoring the volume of, of NFTs in general, I think that's a great point because the, the tools that we currently have have not caught up to the fact that the marketplaces are being more um, fragmented. And I, I think that's something that, you know, will catch up to it, but you know, as people try to figure out what's the real volume on looks rare, you know, minus the wash trading and where are people really going when they're going to spend money or do OTC uh, trades or stuff like that. So when when the the tools start to catch up to the marketplaces and look at general overall volume, as opposed to just what OpenSea did yesterday, I think that's going to be a good thing for the space, going to give opportunity for a lot more innovation and potential risers to um, you know, overtake spots and, and provide different kinds of functionality and liquidity that you wouldn't necessarily see from an entirely centralized marketplace. Yeah. And that's just, to me, that just is the natural progression of the space and that, you know, mistakes are going to be made. It's just survival of the fittest 24 seven, right? And then new trends are going to come up. People are going to execute on those trends. People are going to fail. Uh, so we'll see how all this stuff shakes out. We got uncle.eth with his hand raised again. What's going on? Yeah, I just want to, uh, I'm kind of agree with what Ben says. It's true. We have to adapt and innovate for the options that we need. If you look at like how Kicks trades, he goes on Gem and Gem gives you all the options and most of the options weren't even OpenSea. So like we have to look at the analytics differently nowadays and see all the marketplaces because if you go to see Bitcoin's trading right now and crypto trading, we don't look at volume. Hey, what's volume doing on Coinbase? What's volume doing on FTX? We look at the overall volume and that's what the asset is. And that's how we have to look at it. It's a, it's a worldwide item and it's not just where we see it. It may be a niche in OpenSea, but there's now the pseudo swaps and the X2Y2 that gives different options. And we have to advance. We're always changing. We always have to move forward. 100%. BTC Island, boy, you got your hand raised. Last time, P.O. Uh, no, Signal just makes a great point, and this was just one of my concerns. We saw 10KTF say, hey, 
we're going to create our own token. And in the end, they decided to use Ape token instead, which has, which is widely known. You got the apes, the mutants, everybody knows about it. So that was just my only concern. I just think that overall, I understand the decentralization part of it, but in all, you want everybody to use a token that's already well known. It's hard just to bring a new token into the ecosystem when new tokens are being brought in all the time. It's so hard. And it's a strategic decision to bring one in, you know, and, and you're taking on a tremendous amount of risk when you do it. And it's another, you know, Kix likes to call uh, the different assets in an ecosystem like, you know, babies. So like bringing in a token is another baby that you have to take care of. And honestly, I mean, that is a serious, serious baby to take care of. I mean, Kix, you know, your gaming company has a token. It has a lot of NFT assets. And, you know, you, you're familiar with the struggles of driving value to all those different things. Like, do, what do you think of Gutter Gang uh, introducing the gang token? Do you think that that's strategically a strong move? Do you feel that it's it's a big, big risk? Like, I'd love to hear Kix's perspective. And, you're, you know, you had some of the best Gutter Cats in the game back in uh, early 2020. So I'd love to, to hear your take. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, in general, in in a bear market, it's a lot more challenging uh, to launch a token for your ecosystem than in a bull market because there's a huge you know desire for liquidity. And um, if you're an NFT project and you launch a token, then uh, and that token has some value, then people can you know sell that and be like, well, I'm still in the you know ecosystem because I you know I own the NFTs or whatever. Um, so I think you really need like a strong, uh, sustained uh, utility case uh, for the token out of the gate um, to launch it in a bear market. Um, but I, I think that uh, it, you know it can definitely it, it can definitely work. I just hope that they're not doing it just because you know uh, Yuga Labs did ApeCoin. You know what I mean? Uh, because I mean, first of all, like a lot of people bought Ape and they're down significantly, but also just. Um, you know, they're, they're at just a, a different size, you know, and they can, I think they can, you know, kind of absorb some of those bigger plays. When you look at like other projects in this similar realm to maybe uh gutter cat gang, like cool cats, they launched the milk utility token for their ecosystem. And that one didn't do well, you know what I mean? And that was for multiple reasons, but you know, one people will take uh, that, that uh, exit liquidity if they, you know, get an airdrop to them. And then Two, they just didn't have this strong, sustained use case uh, for the milk token. So it's it's definitely risky. And then, yes, as you said, it's it's another like you know baby that you need to take care of. And it's like, okay, does my team need to spend time and focus on uh, delivering value to Guttergat Kang or the pigeons or the clones or the gang token? You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it's challenging. But uh, also, this could mean that they. And Ben would know more than me, but the you know the launch of this could mean that they're also uh, getting uh, venture capital, um, which which could then be you know uh, at least like a wash, if not like a net positive, if they're able to utilize some of that venture capital to you know further the the brand. I think it's totally a, a positive. I don't know, Ben. A any uh, you know any thoughts on that speculation? Well, I would say Kix brings up a, a good point generally about just having use cases for it. And I think that's one of the things that really hurt Milk in the first place, that there really just really wasn't anything to do with it. With ApeCoin, at least you could buy the, the other deeds with it. But that was a shit show on its own, you know, very buy the rumor, sell the news type of thing. And we all saw how it, it pumped and dumped. And now it's back to really where we kind of all 
thought it would be coming out the gate, like, you know, five to eight dollars or so. So that's kind of the range that I expected it to be. But I, I definitely agree. You have to have use cases. And I think, you know, if, if they had launched this months ago when a lot of people were expecting it, I, I think it would have been a similar thing where people would have gotten happy. Yay. Thanks for the coin. But there's nothing to do with it. So let's just dump it. So um, I don't I don't know the specifics on any venture capital, but I will say that one, one of the, the reasons I mentioned earlier about the, the, the difference between like, you know, mass adoption, like a style like the cool cats or, you know, compared to like the abrasive style of the gutter cats is that a lot of the bigger whales really didn't enter the, the gutter ecosystem. So it, it's really surprising to see how how well the floors have held up. But yeah, with them having, you know, fragmented their NFT collections into a bunch of different ones, even including the merch. I don't know if you guys know, but their their merch is sold through NFTs. Like you buy an NFT that has a metadata with the type of sizes, colors, and styles that you want to buy. And so that has its own market. So I think what they're going to be able to do is use all of these different things as sinks for people to be able to spend the money. But I think they also won't have as much um as much insider allocation like uh apecoin did when they had you know so many investors to have to pay out so um i'm just i'm i'm really excited to see what's going to happen i don't have any you know in, inside baseball on it but it's one of the things that i've been excited about and you know in in the ecosystem in general not not just the coin but to see what they'll be able to do with the coin and the the you know the the raw engagement that they've had from athletes and celebrities that were not purchased or gave to through MoonPay, I think is pretty bullish just overall for their organic drive. For sure. And their basketball jerseys are su super dope. And uh, I like your point about like, I think VC capital could potentially uh, attract some of those whales that you're talking about. Nifty Nick, you just raised your hand. What's going on? I just wanted to raise my hand. So I appreciate the recognition for that action. Um, I, I was actually thinking though on the token side, this is something that seems like part of the playbook long term for th there's there's a number of things that are interesting with it. Basically, what we're seeing, uh, well, we saw this just happen with uh, D God. Well, not D Gods, I guess Utes. Well, the funding round that was announced because neither of those things. Dust are, Labs. Yeah. So Dust Labs. There you go. And how they issue that token to investors. We see this like fascinating thing play out where essentially the tokens are actually securities um, sometimes where NFTs are actually securities because they're issued in a way that's similar to the way that stock is issued. Uh, but the only distinction is there's faster liquidity. And I just think that that's like incredibly interesting. Um, now there's, yes, there's cliffs and there's other things associated with tokens uh, typically and investors. But the fact that there's like liquidity instantly and that there's basically volatility in these tokens the, the only thing that people aren't saying is like how they price it but we already came up with some uh, price ranges around ape token that were that were fairly on point but they were relative to comps in the market basically um and so we are kind of trading some of these in the same way that you would trade stocks so there's two aspects of this. One is that, and then there's like separately the utility. The utility actually doesn't matter of, of these tokens. Uh, it only matters from the standpoint that they can get away with issuing this token 
without calling it a security. And that's really the only purpose of doing that. Similar to a lot of the partnerships that are announced are just done for uh, you know trying to build hype. Uh, you were talking about how one clothing brand that um, uh, that the Dead Fellows partnered with, we haven't seen anything materialized there yet. I actually don't know that that's a bad thing because the crypto space is notorious for just announcing partnerships and coins pumping as a result of it. So I just think it's interesting to observe. And it's also interesting, the last comment on this and why I've personally been interested in these tokens is it's a way of issuing an alternative form of equity. So you could have employees on your team. And I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot to be discussed and debated around this, frankly, of whether or not, like, could you, can you hire employees that are incentivized based on tokens? And the last company that I worked at did just that and then didn't have to give away any equity. And I think that that's like a really interesting foundation. And it's also interesting because the employees uh, theoretically get in at a cheaper price the the objective of us is all aligned so i'm sort of you know it it seems very similar to the equity but you also get to eliminate a lot of these other like logistical hurdles that are involved with those um when you issue like uh iso stock options and all these other different things so i'll be curious to see uh, how this evolves now that there's more people participating in the crypto space and it's not just like the ico days when 95% were rug pulls. Now it's, uh, you know, 95% of NFT projects are rug pulls, but I'm interested in the remaining 5% to see how that plays out and whether or not people value those tokens in the same way. Yeah. And, and real quick, just on the, the clothing partnership, I don't want to drag them, but I just want to clarify uh, that, that collection, uh, they tried to sell, I think, thousands. They were only able to sell 517. It had a high mint price at the time, 0.2 ETH during like $3,000 to $3,500 ETH. The floor price is now 0.02. The total secondary volume is only 15.2 ETH. The tw you want to talk about Twitter activity. This Twitter account, they did retweet something from Deadfellas on September 2nd, so that's a week ago. Before that, the last tweet was in response to to somebody saying the discord has gone silent any updates or is this project dead and they replied to that that was july 20th so it's it is like a it's not a good look it's not going anywhere i'm just saying that like if you partner with this entity that's a lapse in judgment if we partnered with somebody like this i can just imagine the amount of tweets that would come our way there's tweets that come our way now when we're like working really hard and doing the show every day and people will like criticize the show now so I can only imagine like if we, did, you know, partner with someone that ended up taking people's money and did absolutely nothing with it, that would be a pretty big deal and wasn't showing any sort of good faith effort um, to be able to, to like, you know, uh, do something. But anyway, Uncle Dottie, you got your hand raised again. Very active today, Uncle Dottie. Go ahead. I just want to, because it's such an imminent thing, the the gang token. And I don't want to shill anymore. It's going to be the last time I mentioned I mean, it. Also. <laughs> I am surprised that you're just like, hey, let me hit you with a little bit more information about Gutter Cat Gang. <laughs> I'm repping a gutter dog. The only project I've talked about on stage today is Gutter Cats. Let me hit you with one more thing. Uncle, real quick, before you do that, let's talk about any other NFT. Is there any NFT that you're interested in? If I look at like the top 15 on, on OpenSea, there's a bunch of stuff. One thing that we didn't talk about today was spells. What's 
one NFT besides the gutter ecosystem that you either find interesting or you think recently had a misstep? So a positive thing or a negative thing about a recent uh, NFT project that's outside of the gutter uh, ecosystem? Sure. LinkStyle. It's an easy one. I have, you know, almost double digits uh, in the, in that, you know, of NFTs. I have I've been there since the beginning. Mike Dudas does it. I know Kix enjoys it. They just partnered with uh, I, IMGH Prestige, where it's basically, uh, uh, basically you partner, they partner with all different courses. They have about 200 courses that, that they have all over the world that now that if you're in LinkStyle, you have that membership, you're able to access those facilities. So they're already starting to give some real life, you know, IRL access utility. So that's just the start. That's not even their course. And they said by like 2030, they're going to have like 10 courses. So like, I'm really excited for that one. And it, it really ties into, you know, touch some grass. I love, yeah, very nice. Very nice touch there. Uh, I've always had a lot of interest in LinksDAO. Mike Dudas is the founder of LinksDAO. So that's very interesting to me. The floor has been like glued to point, uh, point three or above, which makes me think that people don't like to sell links down, which is obviously a, a, a good sign. Um, are they so are they going to raise like have they talked about raising venture capital? Like, I, I don't understand so, how. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I'll explain it to you. Sorry to cut you off. I'll explain it to you. So basically, the NFT doesn't really give you equity or ownership, just like you always champion. Of course, when you buy and when you buy NFT, you're not buying into the project. You're just buying access to whatever they give you. So they are going to raise capital with accredited investors only because, you know, Mike Dudas is Web2. He's very, you know, uh, six man investors. He's very, you know, straightforward. They're going to get all people who are only accredited. So basically half the people aren't going to be investing and they're going to try to make, you know, a top 100 course. They're going to they're going to try to do it real big time. And and uh, there's a lot going on over there. They're, they're, if you look at their floor, there's only like 70 listed at a 9000, which is like a half a percent, which is like the lowest you know, amount listed and their and their ownership count is like almost 60%. And, you know, like last month, I think the floor went to 0.7, which is, you know, more than double what it is now. So like, it just needs one more catalyst and it's just going to go to one ETH easily. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I don't know if I totally agree. Like one catalyst will just send it on a piss missile to one ETH, but it's definitely an interesting project. It's definitely not a rug. So it goes into the X percent of projects in the NFT space that are not a rug. It's something I'm interested in. I haven't pulled the trigger on it. I know Kicks. Kicks at one point was the second largest holder, the third largest holder of Link Style. But then Stephen Curry came in and bought like 26 of them. So sorry, Kicks. Curry's got a, a deeper wallet than you. Signal, you have your hand raised what's going on yeah uncle I, I wanted to ask you actually so uh on the golf course for links down so previous to covid like golf courses were being dumped around the world like you could actually pick up a golf course if you're in the market for one for a relatively good price but because of covid prices on golf courses spiked massively because everybody wanted to be outside you know it was one of the few activities that you could do sport and be outside and it was still allowed to carry on so are they still looking to buy a golf course now given how much they've increased in prices or are they going down the avenue of just giving membership via the network that you spoke about Hell yeah, they're going to buy a, a golf course. They just uh, did a snapshot vote on what's uh, important to everyone. And their highest voted was top 100 course in the world, like, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, difficulty wise. So like people are really into it. And and of course, prices went up, but they're working with the right people they are working with Kemper Sports, who is a 
who uh, who who manages and created a lot of uh, golf courses, uh, dunes. I forgot what it's called, but they made it the dunes one. It's a very famous one. So like this guy has been there since the beginning in Kemper, and like they're working with the right people. They're putting the right people on the team. They're going to go the right direction. Yes, they're going to. They, uh, John uh, John Daly or I forgot his name is the the uh, CEO of Linksdow, and he said last week that they're going to be about. 10 courses by 2030. So I don't Wait, doubt that John, John Daly. That's the golfer, the guy that pounds beers on the golf course. And Not like, John Daly. Uh, yeah. You don't want, you don't want Daly. that guy. Yeah. You don't want that guy being your CEO about, of the company. Great golfer <laughs> though. No. Yeah. But I would love to play with him. It would be fun to just chug some vodka with him. But uh, yeah, so they're going to, they're going to have, they're going to have courses. They're probably going to have a course, you know, ac acquired by the end of the year or beginning of next year is what they're implying. We got a, a link style. That's, su that's super bullish because uh, if they're still committing even at today's uh, golf, like to buy a golf course at those prices, as well as the maintenance to for a golf course is like easily over a million. So if they're still committing to that, that's super bullish for that project. They raised ten million, so that that's just to get them started. They they took all their they took whatever they raised in their in their primary sale, and they instantly changed it to, from ETH to USDC. So they have like 10 million in the bank and that's just to get them rolling. They're still going to take investors money. They're still going to move forward with that. And it's not going to be hard because, you know, Mike Dudas, he raises money, six man ventures. So I could see it being able to accomplish within one year, one court, golf course, you know, they have the right people. Let's all right. We got a link style bowl. We got a, uh, we got a gutter gang bowl. Oh, where where are you? Are you like in another room? No, like my dog's just, I don't know what happened. Someone might have knocked on my door. My dog started barking. Oh, got um, it. That was your dog. I th thought it was Signal's dog. That was my dog. Uh, so last but not least, so we should talk about spells. So Kix was on spells. Kix, this is exactly the type of thing that you would buy. It's a loot derivative. What is the story with spells? Do we think this is going to zero? Um, I don't know if it's going to go to zero. Um, but uh, yeah, long story short on spells, basically it was it's some sort of like you know loot derivative in in concept um they have some interesting things going on but basically how to get on the allow list is you had to go into discord and they had this like pretty interesting uh discord game where there was a bunch of different teams and you can invite people to your team or you could like if you thought someone wouldn't do anything you could sabotage another team and actually like invite them to another team once you were on a team uh, every four hours, you would get like magic power, and it was basically like a Discord game. You type like slash conjure, and you could conjure up these spells. You could type slash cast, and then like cast the spells, and you're trying to like fight enemy, like take down enemies in the dungeon that were like attacking your your group, your guild. Um, and then like they they had a new game like every 24 hours or something like that. But if you were on the winning team, you'd get a key. Um, and I, 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 uh, I played over the course of like a couple of days and it was super easy. It, it took like maybe 15 minutes a day. Um, but I got four keys. So I minted three of them and then, uh, or, uh, yeah, I got four keys. I minted three of them. I sold, uh, two of them and I'm, and I'm holding, uh, one. And then I have a key, which apparently you can use for like future things, but they're also doing something interesting. I don't fully understand it, but like they're doing like an, an eternal mint. So basically like the supply can increase, but a hundred percent of the sales uh, for the NFT goes to like the DAO, which is supposed to fund development of the project. Um, it, but I, I'm kind of confused about it. Cause like the price right now, I, I think is like, 
it's pretty high. It's like a half an ETH or like 0.6 ETH to mint a new one. And, and there's, you know, uh, it, you could just buy one off the floor for a third of that. So I'm, I'm a little confused on that part, but yeah, it was just, it was just like a whitelist grind kind of opportunity. You know, if you were willing to put in like an hour of work, um, you could, you know, get a, get a, uh, it costs 0 0.03. So you put in an hour of work, spend whatever 0 0.03 is and get, uh, 0.15 ETH back out the other side. All righty, we'll see where it goes. Uh, I got some ideas, but ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. Today's Friday. Uh, we will be back on Monday. Me, Easy, Shillin' Villain, and a special guest are going to be doing an NFT MMA fight companion tomorrow night during the UFC fights. First time that we do something like that. We're really excited about the special guest that's going to be joining us. It's going to be a really great time. As always, our content is sponsored by FTX. You can sign up at thenifty.com slash FTX or with the code thenifty on your FTX mobile app. Check out the YouTube show that happens at 4 p.m. Eastern time today. We do that Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. every single day. I know you don't leave Twitter ever, but if you do leave Twitter, go on YouTube and check it out. I have the rest of our links posted to the top. Make sure you follow all the speakers that joined us today. We appreciate them contributing their thoughts and their opinions. And check out our NFT. I don't want to hear that I didn't tell you to do it. See you next time.